0: And every Tuesday to the Learning with Lowell podcast with me, your host, Lowell, to hear world-class scientists, startup founders, CEOs, and authors, people who you wouldn't normally hear about but are making huge waves all the same. You'll understand them and their work by hearing their passion, laughter, advice, and hearing them, the experts, break down what they're working on so that you can learn, push the boundaries of your knowledge and understanding. Today we are joined with Yuyo, CEO and founder of Stom, originally based out and founded in Argentina, moving to the California Bay Area. He was also part of Sinclair University for a time. The whole point of Stom is to really revolutionize biomanufacturing to the point where it's a hundred times better than what currently exists. And how they're able to do it is really smart. It's really interesting. It reminds me of Henry Ford and uh, and how he built the Model T, though. You know revolutionary for his time this is in a lot of ways revolutionary for the biomanufacturing time so i'm gonna let you get a sense of of yuyo in this interview and what he's developing and remember to reach out to him if you want to learn more or if you're working on something similar or if you get excited about this type of stuff because biomanufacturing is really fascinating stuff so let's get into this so um the first thing yeah. i i always like to start with before we get into like the really impressive things that you're working on i'm always curious to learn like what is the nerd level stuff that you're excited about that isn't related to what you're building? So for me, I really get jazzed out about, you know, space, which is kind of related to what I'm building now, but that, you know, or bees, like I really like bees. So, but uh, like, what's something that like, is like that for you?
1: So for me, it is about being able to talking to cells. I think that that's a, uh, That's really nerdy. But what I found uh, when I started looking at this industry is the lack of uh, specificity in terms of being able to target target itself. And you know how genetics and environment are always interacting in order to provide a phenotype or a result. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about how we don't are truly capable of controlling that interaction, that is key to understanding why uh, nature behaves the way it does. And I think that if we are able, like not from STEM, but as humanity, we are able to understand those interaction better, we will able to move faster uh, in the way of using biology as a reliable technology, right? So. I'm, that might sound complex, but that's how I feel about in the nerdy way. If, if we are able to control the, the environment that cells are interacting with and we truly understand their genetic uh, baggage or uh, decision-making logic, something new uh, arises that is the possibility of truly measure and understanding uh, the way that those interaction works, and I think that that's the true way to make it to make biology as reliable as uh, electronics, right? Yeah. I think that's
0: super exciting. <laughs> yeah, but uh, is there anyone that you're watching that's working on that? Like, is there anyone in the field that you like have Google alerts on what they're developing, or like how do you how do you stay current on that?
1: Yeah, so there. We, we always are looking for scientific publications to see who's uh, working on this, these things. For a startup, I there's a lot of things that are, called, are related with static uh, genetic networks or transomics that basically provides the, the base ground to develop these networks of decisions that are happening within the cell. And the other side of the story is about measuring changes in the environment and having the capabilities of, of measuring differences in the expression and concentrations of metabolites, proteins, uh, and, and yeah. So so we I have seen a few companies, one that is quite concrete about talking about this is in silico. Uh, I think it's called in silico biology, that basically is, even the name is just to the point, right, how we, how we use biology as we engage with in silico electronics, right, and uh, how we model this logic uh, gates that are, in a way, deciding or dictating what the cell is doing at every point in time. I think that's
0: amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'll have to check them out. Is there, um, a, there probably isn't any books on this because it's so cutting edge, but uh, is there like a publication or resource you'd you, you point to people other than maybe this company that if, if people want to learn more about that?
2: Oh,
1: Yes, yeah, so uh, the truth is that I cannot tell you the title of, of a paper because yeah. we, we literally look through I don't know, like more than 100 papers every week. But basically, you can find a lot of this language in synthetic biology uh, stuff, also in the study of of gene regulation or uh, static and dynamic networks of gene regulations and transomics. Uh, Those keywords can, open uh, the the search for you to start Discovering the work that is being done here
0: mm-hmm. with this aspect oh, definitely! I'll, I'll check that out after our, our uh, interview. I um, I always like to learn. I'm a uh, am in the court. I'm in the process of reading two textbooks for no reason. Um, so that, that'll uh, give me more to read and they're on uh, a right. Yeah, one of them's biochemistry. I, I I wanted to circle around and make sure I understood that but um, so Back, going to what you're building now, what, what are you building? Just for like people listening in, to make sure I didn't like describe it horribly. In your words, what's the unique factor in what you're building that you get really jazzed about? All right.
1: So we like the idea of preserving the microenvironment that sales experience from the research environment to the industry uh, and production and scaling environment. And we, were, we weren't able to find any tool uh, in the industry that would allow you to interact with your culture or with your cell line in the same way when you're working with one milliliter than when you're working with 1,000 or 100,000 liters. So sorry for the metric, but you know that I'm from Argentina. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> But basically... Uh, There we saw a huge opportunity because basically controlling the microenvironment of cells is super important for preserving the protocols that have been tuned for uh, uh, making the the production more efficient. And we decided to reinvent the bioreactor by putting the cell in the center of the design. And we arrived to a, a, a new concept in which we use microfluidics and microchannels uh, to develop uh, structures that allow us to tell cells what to do and to program the protocol of production for them. And once you have found the right right method for your cell line, you can preserve that protocol through scale, And that's... It can sound trivial, but it's not because it's one of the key uh, costs related to scaling biotech solutions and to take it to the market and to actually solve uh, the problem that this solution is intended to solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that would take years because when you jump from a, a 10 milliliter Erlenmeyer to a five liter uh, shelf bioreactor that there is a, an optimization process, and then when you have to go to the industry, there's also this process in which you have to learn, optimize, and then build a new facility that uh, responds to this new method. Mm-hmm. So, a, a new language of production that is uh, insensitive to scale, uh, for us, is uh, transformative in, in terms of how we can facilitate people to use biology. Uh, something else.
0: Mm-hmm. so the so let's say like I had like some yeast cells or something right um, using the old way at every different like scale, basically I would try to you know in the scaling up factor, I'd have to like redo everything is what you're saying, but with yours, it would be more like more of a, a seamless expansion mm-hmm. if i'm if I'm understanding it right like how would yeah. Is there a way, is there an example of how you, we used to do it, like using like yeast or some uh, cell in particular, and then we can kind of like look at like the difference between what, what yours does?
1: Okay. So the, the, the current method is basically you use agitation and oxygenation or aeration to preserve the conditions that you want the cells to experience, right? So this has worked for 100 years and is the key to all the solutions that, that we are experiencing in the market, but it has, uh, for us, a big flaw that is turbulence. Uh, turbulence uh, requires a lot of energetic uh, energy inputs to keep all the cells in an uh, average condition and doesn't allow you to trace the history of each cell uh, and this is key. Uh, for us because basically a uh, tragic stay in, in course and basically what you do is you start with a with a batch that is filled with media or food for the cells that you want to grow you inoculate a few cells and you start the process of growing them and at some point the cells the amount of cells in the batch are correct and the uh, amount of media in the batch are correct for hitting the maximize the, the, uh, the, the highest productivity output, right? And that moment in which the balance between cells and media are right is really short. And then you have to stop the process, harvest the cells, and start all over again. So we, we saw that there was a plenty of room to improve that equation of productivity. If we were able to always be correcting the the amount of media and amount of cells that would be in that microenvironment, we would be able to sustain that highest throughput throughput in production. And they asked, the question was how we can do that and there is where MicroFlex is a game changer because it allows you to create basically a line in which the cells moves and you can, as that cell is moving at at sustained velocity, then you have time measurements, and you know when to correct the environment, Mm -hmm. Uh, right, so as if consuming uh, the the feed that is available in the, in the media, you are providing new one and you are correcting uh, temperature, you're correcting pH, you're correcting the availability of uh, different uh, gases that are, are key for the met- for the uh, metabolisms that you want to uh, encourage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that allows you basically to stay at that peak in the productivity curve, uh, as long as you want or as long as as the cell is moving through the line. Mm -hmm. And basically, once you have understood that equation of balance, you can replicate that because it's basically a shape. You have designed a shape that contains the information for correcting the metabolism of the cell. And so for... I think it's fascinating like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if that was clear sorry i sometimes I start looking at find ways find things and start looking about those things so you you, you will keep me on on track i'm, I'm sure yeah,
0: yeah the um, i'm curious the um, so it makes sense like to like it's to awesome. optimize how big of an improvement is it is it is it statistically known how big of an improvement it is or is it early days
2: yeah,
1: yeah. so we this is a this is a new technology that's important to say we we have working in this specific development for the last five years and last year we're starting to get the first results because we were able to start manufacturing these devices and putting them to the test in a in a relevant scale so what we found out is that we can sustain these productivity outputs for really long periods of time. Uh, that's the first thing. So let's say that you're working with a mammalian cell, that batch would be 14 days long and then you have to harvest and start all over again. we were able to sustain production of monoclonal antibodies for more than 60 days 68 days in a row. So, that first variable tells you that we are increasing productivity over time by eliminating a lot of dead times, right? That's the first the first variable. Mm-hmm. The second thing that we, that we saw that we, we thought that it could happen, but we weren't sure, is that when you are able to trace its cell and provide these good conditions, actually the productivity itself arises uh, arise or increase. So that was completely shocking because we 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 saw that we were that the amount of productivity that we were seeing in increase, it wouldn't be explained solely by the reduction of dead times. We the cell will be have to be actually manufacturing more product, biosynthesizing more products for units of time in the same volume, uh, the same cell. So, that was outstanding. When, when we compared our results, our, our increase in production to current methods, we have seen an increase of 74 to 105x increase of productivity per hour. Wow. And that's incredible
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that basically allows you to mini- mini- miniaturize the size of the batch that you require in order to get the same, the same throughput and also as it's a continuous system it decreases all your requirements downstream downstream right down the line so for, purifi- for purification for lysis, now you get a, a continuous stream of finished culture uh, that is ready to be processed but by smaller machines. So that also has a, an impact on the infrastructure that is required. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's huge. The, um, does it only work on certain types of cells or could you do like anything for the most part? I, I mean, I, yeah. Like does is it like optimized yeah. for a spe- specific mm-hmm. subset, or does it really just have like the full gamut of like you can put pretty much anything in this and optimize?
1: Yes. So the first this first model that we're working on is aimed to provide solutions for suspended cell culture. So it, this would mean um, yeast this would mean non-adherent mammalian cells, bacteria, and some, we have found that with cell cells that are adherent, uh, the same model would be uh, good if, if for, for sustaining good conditions and uh, optimizing production or increasing productivity, uh, but I think what is interest, interesting to mention here is that the shape in a way is fundamental for the function that we want to provide. And this is the first shape that we that we have uh, in a way coded, so for, for providing this function, but th- there is, we know that there is no limit in, in terms of we, what we can do for or other kind of cells like microalgae uh, or f- uh, filamentous fungi, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's just a matter of putting in the work uh, and within this logic and using the right combination of shapes to provide uh, this environment. So mm-hmm. today yeast bacteria and mammalian cells represent uh, like 90% of the work that has been done for biomanufacturing in, in so, we, we wanted to focus on, on that problem first. But yeah, we, we are definitely interested in, in moving into this new kind of uh, cell types. Yeah.
0: yeah the, um, so, I know we, we wanted to get into, like, in its entirety, biomanufacturing. And the idea that you basically double production, if I, if I remember my math right, if you increase something by 100%, you're basically doubling it. Um, what, what else do you 100 want? 100 times. 100 times. A hundred? So it's a hundred times better? Not just one? <laughs> yes. not, not double? Okay. No. That's a huge difference.
1: It's two so Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, dang. Yeah. Wow. That's huge. I, um, so, uh, okay. A different question then. So when you, when you find people that need what you are using, and you and you tell them, hey, I can improve what you're doing you know, by 100 on times.
1: Yeah, on the possibility of tracking itself. Like if you, it's not. There are continuous processes in the industry that are based on turbulence, but I think that uh, working in a laminar environment and creating this directionality of, of cells and being able to construct the process in a in a sequence is is really good. Mm-hmm. It's, that's proving to to have really good results.
0: It's it's kind of like the. It reminds me of like uh, how they made the Model T, the uh, the Ford manufacturing plant. God, what are those called? That's really stupid. It's like the it was one of the first really big um, in sequence developing of a car. It's how we develop a car now, like yes. instead of like developing all in one spot. for like, this thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like mm. that, but for biology. Nice. Um, you make like the sequence right, and then you have like a huge in- increase in production. The man a hundred times versus two times. Yeah, that's a, that's a big difference. But, um, so uh, who are some of the first people that you're gonna work with to like develop that are like probably poking you a lot to get the hundred times in <laughs> production increase? Yes.
1: Yes, so um, we found that there the is out of interest from from, industries like monoclonal antibodies industry uh, that could really use this, this technology and they we, we are now building those partnerships right and then uh, we're also opening like a beta tester uh, community if you say like customers for this year that basically are smaller companies I have more diverse uh requirements in terms of the, the their necessities because one of the aims of this technology is basically allowing new solutions to get faster to the market. And uh, so that's a priority. But basically uh, big pharma is 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 definitely interested in this technology and it will take time, but the good thing uh, about being able to build these partnerships is that it will increase significantly uh, our capabilities of of delivering this technology as something that is ready for for the industry, and that's that's what we want.
0: Yeah, the um, I'm always I'm always surprised when people think um, like developing a partnership or a beta group or like basically like in some respects doing sales. Like a lot of people who haven't done it before, they think it's like a one off. Like I, I go to, you know, Jim or Sarah's office. I say, Hey, here, I have something for you. Here you go. You're going to buy it. And, um, uh, in reality, it's actually like in, in, like developing these really these intricate partnerships now, like a lot of people don't realize like that the most effective salespeople will like depending on the order size, right? Like if it's like a, a McDonald's burger, probably not the same thing, but, um, for some of those big biggest years, like they'll, they'll, they'll have like maybe seven to 10 point, like, Times where they talk to that customer, just leading up to like the sale, so which is usually to me like it's just developing that relationship is the same type of thing, and I think sometimes people like shy away from that. It it is sales, but it's also like you're you're listening to their needs and you're developing something that's going to be tailor made for them. And so you know, people listening in when you're when you're thinking like, what is a partnership like? You know, if they're like anxious about that at all, like really all you're doing is saying, hey, I have a solution. I want this solution to fit you um let's partner together yes. and make sure it fits really really well and then that like it makes future conversations about like them working with you in a, in a meaningful financial way much easier because they've seen you develop with them and they have that relationship mm-hmm. um which is something i always like to note because like sometimes people think sales is like a one-off when it's can be much more intricate and like the more intricate it is mm-hmm. uh generally the the better your product going to be because you have like these really interesting feedbacks from the the, the people like the beta group and uh the big farmer that you're gonna be working with. Like starting early I think is a really, really smart thing to do. Um, which is also me saying like good yeah. job and trying to encourage people listening to do it as well.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah
1: the um it do a lot with the muscle that you incorporated in your company and and also how how do you see yourself right as as a company in we we like to think that we that we develop technology, right, and uh, new new technology and for for the industry and for people that want to use biology. And the product is a is a byproduct of technology. So uh, in a way, uh, we we are discovering the product, the right product for the for the right kind of customer, and it's. Are a completely different world when, you, when you, you see the scales that these customers are managing and the requirements in reliability of our approvals that are bespoke for them. So they have to be part of the conversation. And that, that will save a lot of time also because they know, they know what it means to take a product to the market in, in, their, in their world. So they have a lot of experience also to share,
2: yeah.
1: uh, and we we were surprised about um, how willing people are to incorporate new technology. We were we were expecting more resistance from because these are these are really established technology, right, by reactors. Uh, but it seems to be that for a long time now, industry has been looking out for for better ways of, of doing this, and not, not because bioreactors don't work, but because there is a lot of improvement that can be made in terms of footprint, in terms of the delivery of a biotech facility, and uh, how much waste there is in the process. So for all of, the, all of these reasons, these other reasons that are around the bioreactor, People were looking for new innovations, you know, right? And for us, is let's change the bar reactor. That's that's in the center of the entire production. And that's open up. That opens up a, a whole new world of possibilities.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine the. um, if, if it's like a hundred times better it uh makes them much more open to giving you a try and talking with you the um but so i don't know if you're familiar with this book called uh, zero to one that peter Thiel and this other guy made um but in that book they talk about how timing is one of the critical things there's one person i was talking with who um who started a, a solar company in the middle east during like the arab spring so like all the oil got locked down and so he sold a lot of solar cells because of that, <laughs> so uh, that 's like one example of like uh, critical timing in an environment like maybe you can 't uh, account for, it, but it 's still really important but so uh, the question is like, why is now or the last five years or like but leading up to right now, why is now the right time for this solution to come in and really you know hundred hundred time <laughs> increase? uh these things so yeah why now like what what in the environment is really helping like drive you to being successful
1: Hmm. i think that uh, is the lack of access uh, to a technology that is becoming more and more relevant to humanity today not in the future like biotech is. It's been around for a while, and there's a really strong community of tech, biotech developers that are coming up with new solutions by the dozens every, every, every year. And all of them are have found themselves in this bottleneck that is basically, I understand that this solution has a market, I know how, how big the market is, and how many people I can help with the solution. Now, the only thing that I need is this amount of millions of dollars in order to build this facility. And there are markets that don't resist that best. That's, that's true. And basically, we are, we are losing out on real solutions that could be improving uh, value change, that could be improving people's lives just because of something that is expensive. And uh, so I think that the the motivation for finding a new solution for doing that has been around for a while. And we saw that ourselves in, in like in real person. We, I'm from Argentina, as you mentioned, we were trying to provide yeast for craft brewers in our country. So we know how to manufacture liquid yeast for brewers for more than 100 years. In my country, there was no manufacturer of that product. So that means that knowing how to do something is not the same that actually doing it and providing it to us a product,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And we, we said, all right, we're going to do it. And we found this problem, right? We, we, we found ourselves uh, with craft brewers that wanted our product, but we couldn't deliver it because we didn't have the tools. So we say, we are going to develop the tool that we need in order to provide this use. And that's how this journey started, actually. We discovered it uh, along the way by, by facing this problem ourselves. And the first try was to basically shrink about uh, the facility and enable local manufacturing of this kind of product. But we saw that size, it wasn't important. It was a, a problem of pipeline and a problem of gathering the right team. It's a team that has to have like decades of experience in, in working with these things. And also the fragility of the process in a country that has a an infrastructure that is not as strong as others, where light goes off and you have something that is living inside a machine that's not going to end that well, right? So we say, all right, so there is a big opportunity if we are able to rethink this whole process and basically enable people that want to benefit from the from nature, right? So we have all these solutions, as we were talking previously, uh, that are available for us in nature, and we cannot use them because we don't have the, the interface to do so. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do it, you have to study... 10 years, 50 years, uh, 15 years and find the right partner. I mean, company that will teach you about industry. That is something that's super hard to get your hands on. Uh, so that's a huge barrier. And now more people, I, th- I think that the timing is right because the bottleneck is, is too tight. now. And, and if we, if we want to, Transition towards a more sustainable manufacturing uh, establishment. Uh, we need to move away from uh, chemical solutions to biological solutions,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's only be is going to be enabled by biomanufacturing. So, what biomanufacturing is telling us is that it cannot funnel all the demand that is required today. So we need more venues of uh, manufacturing tools for mm-hmm. for the, all this demand to be catalyzed, right?
0: Yeah. The um. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Oh yeah. So yeah, basically that. I think that the other the other day I was talking about all this, and it was funny because uh, I'm going to space now. Not 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 me, but in in the conversation, like if we if we want to be able to to live in space it's a little ironic that we first need to learn how to live on Earth, right? Uh, in a way that is sustainable, I mean. So um, finding the right methods for developing manufacturing industries that are sustainable uh, on Earth uh, are, are the, the things that are going to unlock our capabilities of taking these technologies with us also to, to space.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I think that is ironic. That we are always looking outside, looking at the next frontier, but in order to cross it, uh, we have to in a way truly understand this first step, right? Like we, are, we are here, we want to go there, but we need to wrap this up in terms of understand, truly understanding what's going on and how our impact
0: is in this environment first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cheaper too. You know, like uh, if, you were to, yeah, if you were to fire, attach your ma- uh, biomanufacturer to a tip of a, a missile and, and fire it into space, it'd prob- probably, uh, probably be helping that it's, it's smaller for one, but uh, a bit more expensive if it doesn't work out. The, um, do, you, do you have any plans to do any experiments on like the ISS or anything like that when you have it like down to see if it like translates well into space? Or is that like like future? I would like once, love it. You would love it, okay? Uh,
1: yeah, I would love it today, like now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if someone can help, if someone seeing can help enabling that kind of thing, so we are would love to explore that. And yeah, I mean, like uh, maybe uh, maybe as a as a individual, right? Like say like this is something that like I'm nerdy about. I would I would love to see what happens. So, uh, yeah, that's the answer.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, uh, so one question I always like to ask people in the last, like third of the interview is, um, and you kind of touch on this a little bit, but is there anything that you need help with or that you're, like, I'll like parse it into two questions. Like, is there anything you're, you need help with or that like you need in particular, the types of people you want to connect with? And then the second part of that mm-hmm. is, um, no, I'll, I'll wait. I don't want to confuse you. So the first part is: uh, is there anything you need help with? Uh, an example. Okay, my- okay. yeah, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So um, for us, it's been a game changer. Uh, knowing people that are are struggling with this particular problem, and to understand how how our solution could meet their needs uh, because there are different uh, things in every case and it, these are really super, I'm talking about this broadly, I know, but these are really super specific things that need to be addressed in, in a really big spoke manner. So those kind of experiences, those kind of stories are, are the ones that we're looking now, uh, for now and we think that there's a lot of value there. So, for for collaborations, for um, testing our solution as well, and, and looking at what is that we should be working on on top of what we're doing now. So that's like invaluable for us. And then, as I said, we are we are looking for for partnerships, and we are opening out our beta test. So if you consider yourself Uh, A potential customer please reach us and and if you're interested in learning more also the technology even from a academic institution we are we are open to to start conversations there and to find ways in which we can move faster and and in better so so yeah basically uh, our our message is about being approachable and uh, enabling conversations that today are aren't happening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so if we can if we can facilitate that, uh, we will be in a good place, right? We'll be first to to start working on those problems. So that's what that's what we want to do. We lead this this transformation.
0: Yeah. The, um, so what usually helps um or the, the question to follow up on that is Uh, if you could have like any person or any group in particular to kind of like give the listener a good example of of who you're looking for I mean granted like it is a a bit broad but if you could just like um, like I don't know if you could if you had like a dream person you wanted to either work with or or, or partner with um, that I think maybe will give some like color to what you're looking for
1: all right so uh, I think that researchers and Tech developers that are working in, in microfluidics, biomaterial, uh, additive printing for compatible materials, uh, like uh, online sensory for bioreactors. That world is the world that we are working on, right? So uh, that's something that we are interested in knowing. <coughs> Sorry for that. Bless you. No, it's all good. <laughs> uh, that's, that's kind of the, the world that we are working on and we are interested in on, on learning more and building strong relationship with uh, interesting parties that are, are also working on that. And then from the side of the industry, people that understand uh, deeply the, the value chain, uh, the, the suppliers, um, and the, 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 the end part of it, like when you deliver the product to, to distributors, mm-hmm. uh, those, those are things that we are we are constantly trying to learn more about and uh, to find ways in which we can adapt our technology for being, like, you like, won't we, we notice that it's a different technology, that's what we want to do, it's like, because if there is that, that constant, that those kinds of uh, frictions, uh, in a manufacturing pipeline that is super big, that's uh, that's a big, could be a big problem. So mm-hmm. we want to deliver a product that is the same, but 100 times better.
0: Yeah. Is there anyone specific that you'd like to connect with and that related to what you're doing? Either either, um, either to what you're doing or that you just personally would be excited to connect with that you think would, would be fun?
1: Yes. Um, so, we are all about impact, right? So, uh, as you mentioned before, just leaving the conversation, it's like a person like Bill Gates would be amazing uh, for, for taking this kind of technologies uh, faster and, and broader. And I think it's really aligned with, with a lot of, the, of their, their goals in terms of uh, accessing more to technology and creating impact inside. So, it would be amazing if out of if this conversation, something like that could happen. For us, um, so yes, um, I, I'm sorry I, I didn't make uh, a, a list for <laughs> of, of people that I would like to contact. Uh, I'm definitely gonna make it for our next interview. Uh, don't, don't worry, uh, uh, that's my homework next time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but yeah, it's basically. I think that now is the time to talk. Uh, we we can we can have these conversations with uh, parties are interested and that they, they think that they can use this or they can help us, we we, we are ready to, to answer and to start working.
0: Mm-hmm. So what you're, you know, several years in now, what is the, I guess you kind of answered it, like you're going to have like beta testers and that type of thing, but like what's the next like 18 months look like for you and the company?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's about Scaling the technology, right? Uh, the, the capability of, of volume that we can handle and we can deliver in our production and designing the manufacturing pipeline for our machines. So it's about delivering a product, developing the partnership with these big uh, players of uh, pharmaceutical industries. Uh, so that is going to be our, our main focus, uh, delivering delivering the, the, the finished machine, and developing the manufacturing pipeline, there is a lot of things of the manufacturing pipeline that involves new technology also. So uh, it's it's going to be really really fun 18 months uh, that's ahead of us, and uh, we I not wait to to see where where this takes us uh, and how how the company looks like in 18 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's basically what we're going to work on.
0: How does that? Um. And maybe this is like too specific of a question, but like, yeah. How how would that actually look? So like, let's say like three months from now, I like, I email you. What would mm. your day look like in the development of like this eighteen month thing that you're working on? Like, um, wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, a lot of the work that I do it has to do with um, directing the team leaders of tech uh, projects. Right. So. Each, each one of these projects is working within the company. You have like installed capacity within the company, but also we, are, we collaborate with research groups uh, as service, right? Like uh, uh, service providers. Mm-hmm. And basically my, my work is, it has to do with having this conversation with the uh, team leaders project to see how things are going, uh, which, what we should focus on, uh, if I'm uh, basically uh, unlocking uh, anything that they are feel, feeling that they're stuck if they are need to be contacted with with a new professional or if they need a new resource of, of, of uh, or, or a new machinery so uh, so far what I found is that we were we are really good at building in, interdisciplinary teams that are properly communicated and my role is basically to uh, provide perspective and unlocking uh, things that they might not have the resources to to unlock, right? So en- enabling uh, that that uh, movement. And the other the other part of the show is 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 more about a strategy and building partnership and uh, uh, business business development, de- developing, and fundraising, of course. Yeah. So uh, I guess that in in three months from now we. Will be done with the with the new uh, scouting process that we are starting now, uh, and we, we we will be starting to have the first results for the for the first essays in, in, in each. So I, I stipulate like four weeks to five weeks of scouting, then a brief induction, and then we will start already launching the, the essays. So I guess that it would be the second review of uh uh bi weekly results and mm-hmm. and I will be like trying to to see that no that everybody is comfortable with the team and that they have everything that they need to to, to keep working and, and and they have the right direction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think I don't know.
0: That does yeah,
1: that answer your question?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good. That's it's it's a very weird question. But um so the how many people do you have now in your team and how many are gonna be there by the end of the 18 months? Are you, I imagine there's probably gonna be like a, an increase. Yeah,
1: it's not, it's not like we are hiring everyone now, but uh, today we are um, eight, eight people full time and uh, when you take into account uh, the collaborators, like let's say uh, uh, techniques, technicians and uh, researchers are weekly, provide us services there's more than 40 collaborators so it's a quite a big team already of people that are working in this project and we we will take up to four four to five more people in the next three months and by the end of 18 months I guess that will be around 20 people mm. but uh, we are we try to be really efficient in 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 using installed install capabilities that we don't require to acquire so far. So we the history of our company has been about as I, as I say for building partnerships, building collaborations with with institutions. And we we think that that's a really a smart move for us. And it has paid well and allowed us to, to move really fast and be efficient with very rate also.
0: Yeah. All right. So uh, two last Two questions, which will be the last question. I can't have two last questions, but, um, the, so this one's a, an abstract one that I've been, I've been liking to give like a uh, existential crisis to people, which is, um, what is something, what is something that you don't, what is something that you like deeply are curious about or that troubles you or that like. You wish you had the answer to, but that you don't have the answer to, mm-hmm. and and I'll, I'll uh, like give you time to think on that while, by giving you an example. Um, mm-hmm. For me, if the, so, the Big Bang Theory, the, the the Big Bang happened, and then our universe like was populated by mm-hmm. stuff that led to us. If I if I were to go back in time and like shoot that or like st- stop mm-hmm. it from happening, uh, what mm-hmm. would be here instead? Like that bugs me. And then if the Big Bang. Was needed for us to exist what was here before it both those things bug me i would like answers to this i've asked physicists and um i want answers now (laughs) yeah i want answers (laughs) yeah the the best answer i got is basically it's hard to understand something that's outside of a system using terms and concepts that have been developed inside the system because yeah so basically Mm -hmm. we can't imagine something like that yeah why are doing that kind of a weak answer they should That's they their <laughs> physicists like think about these things but yeah so what it doesn't have to be like that it could be like why do cats have like five paws or something all right yeah what's what's yes uh
1: what i first noticed when you start doing is that uh, my concerns are surrounding more present times than uh, the beginnings uh, <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't know why it's like i i usually think about uh universe and that thing but I don't know uh, I'm I'm, I'm more more worried about um, what's the human experience is going to be in the, in the in the next fifty years in terms of what are we going to do with our time
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I think that's a, a really modern question and the other thing is, what's going to prevent people, and I, I, when I mean people, I, I don't say like a group of people, but actually an individual, to use that time in a way that is really detrimental to the entire humanity. And that's, this, this can be a little dark, but I, but I think that is, is worth saying. Um, if we are going to have a lot of time, In our hands and we are going to have a lot of technology available basically in a really cheap way what's going to prevent people from using time and technology uh, for something that could be really bad for everyone Hmm. and in the times that we're living in and we're going to live in which the power of technology is going to be much bigger than we can understand today I see this moment in time in which one person can be the key to humanity survival or not uh, in, in a daily basis. So I the thing that I don't know the answer to is how we build a, a world or a environment or a humanity context in which there is no motivation for anyone to, to move forward with that, with that pursuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so i think that that's that's the question that i cannot answer but i think that as being something that is from the present times we we get to work on that and and see what is that we can do to prevent that
0: mm-hmm. yeah we're we <clears throat> probably gonna have a long time to figure it out too like our, our lifespans are, are um Life and health spans are kind of going up. I mean, there's there's literally VC funds and uh, startups and entire research institutions about extending longevity and and health span. Um, So it's not. Yeah, I don't I don't know how old you are, but I feel like like 50 years, you'll probably still have another like 30 years before you really have to (laughs) worry about the end. But um, yeah, that's a good question. That's a that's a good one. I don't have the answer to that either. Uh, Yeah, now I'm gonna think about that. But um, all right, so. The last, last question is maybe on a hopeful note. Uh, All right. I have like one last question and like a, like a, like a little part B, but it's like very, it's not even really a question, but, um, so what I'll ask that one last, but the, um, where can people find more information about you? This isn't the last question I forgot to ask. Mm. Where can people find more information about you and, uh, go and le- go and learn more and, and keep current with your, uh, what are like the best ways to follow along with your, mm. uh, your project, uh, your progression. Um, any social medias? I know you have a website, but mm-hmm. what are they?
1: Yeah, so so um, we we have a website. It's called stamp.bio. Uh, then you can follow me on, on Twitter. is uh, uh, is at show, but with two lower. Um, I don't know how to say this, but uh, it's not lowercase. It's like the lower line. Uh, before so it's can you help me with that
0: sorry like a negative uh, was, sign like a negative sign yeah but it's lower oh uh, like, uh i know what you mean it's like i i can draw it
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes this is a good way to communicate people it's like it's this sign two times and then two show that is is spell is it uh, like y u y o?
0: is it like that like like if i were to spell my name, yes exactly okay. yes yes
2: okay. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah
1: I want answers. Uh, uh, so uh, two of those signs and then Shusho. that uh, is spelled Y-U-Y-O uh, mm-hmm. in Twitter. Um, then we have an Instagram account. that You can find at st- stamp.bio. St- and you can email, email us uh, through the website or send me a message to my LinkedIn account. That is also Shusho uh, Llamasales. That is my, is my name. I I don't know if maybe I can send you this to you and you can put it in the post and, and that easier.
0: Yeah, i uh, Everything that uh, I'm sorry. The everything that you yeah. said will be in the show notes. These I always yeah. have people say it because there's some people that will just listen in and like go off with their day. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So for anyone who uh, was curious on on what he said, check the show notes. There will be links to everything. Uh, so it'll be really easy to find them.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think that there is a helpful note on what i said that is that we are able to work on this right and, and on that on that problem right or in that question
0: mm-hmm. it's not something
1: that is uh, solved already we we actually get to to direct that uh, possible future that's that i think that that's the, the hopeful note on the on the dark history. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah the- Actually, uh, so that that leads into my last question, which is, do you have anything hopeful? Maybe just restate this this uh, statement. <laughs> any hopeful quotes or anything? Um, uh, I like quotes because then it kind of gives me a sense of of who you are. But uh, do do you have any any favorite quotes or anything? Maybe a little bit more positive to leave us <laughs> on.
1: Yes. Um, oh my God. Um. Like quote, like word by word. No, I I don't I, I don't have I don't have it. Sorry, I, I, that makes me that might maybe may, it makes me a really boring person. Um, but I can tell you something that I, I was thinking about yesterday. Um, there is this interview that is made to Carl Sagan when he was alive, but it's about his childhood and he was working with his uncle, and his uncle will ask, "What's that?" Right, and he points to a duck. And Carl Sagan says, like, I don't know what that is. And um, his uncle says, he's like, what is your father teaching you? How how do you you don't know that this is a duck? And uh, Carl Sagan says, he was seven years old, he said, yes, he told me that this this is called a duck, but uh, people in Germany call it differently, and in France they call it differently, and in Argentina they call it differently. He didn't say Argentina, but I'm putting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, so basically... I, I know that I have no idea what that is because everybody keeps calling it differently. And that sense of uh, understanding and wondering about the unknown and what is it not at plain sight and and it's to be discovered, I think that is amazing and that's what's made him like such an incredible person, right? He was wondering about what he didn't understand of a lack that people would call it differently around the world. Uh, so yeah, I think that that's, I was thinking about that yesterday and yeah, I think that worth mentioning now and mm-hmm. trying to rediscover things all the time. I think that's one of the things I like to do.
0: And uh, Carl Sagan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought you were saying Carl Sason. I was like, there's something wrong with my hair.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sorry. I, I have to learn how to speak in both in English and in Spanish. Sometimes people don't understand me, so. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, Carl Sagan. Um, that's all good. Uh, I tried learning Spanish for the longest time, but I still get it. And that was Yuyo of Stom. Remember to check him out on his Twitter, Facebook. If he does not have Facebook. Just scratch that on his Instagram and his website. Let me know what you think of this interview, and hopefully we can get more stuff with Stom in the future. Thank you for staying around today, and I will cue you out with my outro. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We can be found on Twitter, at LowellWasHere, Facebook, and on the website, learningwithlowell.com. Also, sign up for the newsletter, where you can hear amazing content every Monday, new episodes every Tuesday, and new blog posts around every Thursday. Remember to share and tell your friends, please and thank you.